Hey everyone, welcome back to Adhere and Apologetics. As always, brought to you by you with your support on Patreon.com. Today, I'm joined by Monique Dusan. She works at the Center for Biblical Unity. Um, we'll be talking about critical race theory. So, Monique, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you today about um, an important issue, critical race theory, and just all kinds of things along those lines. So, to start off, could you a little bit start a little bit share up a little bit about like who you are and what you do? Well, my name is Monique Dusan, and I founded the Center for Biblical Unity back in February of 2020. I founded it with my ministry partner, Krista Bontrager, also known everywhere as Theology Mom. And um, gosh, we really just talk about issues pertaining to race, justice, and unity from a historically biblical perspective. And we have conversations with pastors, leaders, churches about that issue. Like, how do we do this from a historically biblical perspective so that we're not adopting, you know, secular frameworks? We completely believe that scripture has what we need for life and godliness and that it's sufficient and that we can use it to address, you know, important issues like race, justice, and unity. Mm, yeah, that's great. Um, so could you talk a little bit about just like what got you interested um, in like looking at like critical race theory and eventually like starting this institute and everything that's going on in that direction? Yeah. So I started it because I, one, I was upholding the worldview or the framework, not technically a worldview, but it is a framework. I had, I had adopted it early on in life and in college and things like that. And when I, I had eventually moved overseas and coming home from being, from living in South Africa in 2018, I began having conversations with my friend Krista and conversations with someone at work and really began to see how the framework work itself was never going to lead to unity. It just kept, um, to me, bringing up more, not just issues of hostility, but it created issues that then made things extremely hostile. And so in getting in the word and in prayer, I really believe the Lord was telling me, hey, this isn't the way to unity in my body. And so because of that, I then really shifted gears to look at, well, how can we do unity in the church from a more biblical perspective and started the Center for Biblical Unity because I wanted people to understand that secular frameworks will never get us there. What's going to get us there is, you know, really working um, off of scripture. So things like Ephesians 4, that is, you know, what gets us to true unity. Mm, that's great. So could you talk about, um, just for a minute here, we're going to be talking about critical race theory. Um, so I think for a lot of people, like just with my conversations I've had, like a lot of people don't know what it is. Um, so could you talk a, bit, a little bit about like just what is critical race theory? Yeah, critical race theory is just an analytical tool that was created to really look into society and see where um, like racial injustice was still occurring for people of color and why was it being upheld. So you can think of... Um, like legal scholars, because it actually came out of critical legal studies, which was a group of legal scholars who were looking into issues regarding legalities and, and um, like legal injustices and why things were still kind of 
unequal in the legal realm regarding people of color. And so it that came out of people like Derek Bell, um, Kimberly Crenshaw is a name that you hear often um, in regards to this space or um, Dr. Matsuda and things like people of, of that nature. So you hear those names pretty often, but it was really looking at, you know, what are the inequalities in the legal fields regarding people of color and how do we address that? But that came down, the, the term critical legal studies or critical race theory, critical race studies comes out of the critical theory vein and looking into, you know, what are the, the inequalities within a society, especially things based on, you know, economic, um, economics or um, just what, what, when we take a critical look into society, what is, you know, equal and what's not, and how do we make all things equal or equitable for uh, a society? And so that actually comes out of more of the Marxist school of thought that looks specifically into economics and, you know, the classes and things like that. And how do we get classes to to be equal how do we overturn certain classes what are the oppressors or who are the oppressors or who are the oppressed based on class within a society mm -hmm. so that kind of takes yeah. it all the way back to marxism but it mm -hmm. the the critical race theory component comes directly out of critical legal studies Mm -hmm. So could you sketch just a, like a little bit more of a history here of like critical theory? Um, so you're talking about it kind of like emerging almost out of like the Marxist movement. Like, so how are we getting um, from there to where we are today where critical race theory, especially um, is being talked a lot more about like amongst like Christians and like things along these lines? Yeah. So part of what happens is that the Marxist school of thought, Marx, some of the Marxist leaders um, within that within that framework or foundation didn't think that Marxism was addressing all of the issues within a society. It was kind of pinned in looking at, you know, what's happening happening in the economic world. And so some of those leaders then left the Marxist school of thought specifically to go and create something more robust. And those leaders then founded the Frankfurt School back in, gosh, maybe 1935-ish or so mm -hmm. mid to late 30s. In looking at society more in a holistic vein, they came up against things like Nazism and they fled and came to the United States. And we don't hear much, at least I don't hear much, and I could be wrong, but I didn't hear much of, you know, these thinkers, Heigl or um, Gramsci, Marcuse, like I don't hear much of, of these thinkers until we see critical legal studies. But we do know that they were here in New York, like learn, learning or writing and continuing their work. But we pick it up again in the end of like 19, the end of the 1970s, where we see critical legal studies, people coming out of the civil rights movement, wondering, hey, what happened? We've had this whole movement, and yet we're not seeing within the legal realm anyway, the, the, maybe the numbers or the percentages that we think we should see. There's a word for it that I'm completely missing, but they're not yeah. seeing the, what they, what they had hoped to see, the results that they had hoped to see. Wow. And so, yeah, like some of the outcomes and things like that. And so from there, we see critical race th theory being birthed out of that, truly looking in to say, you know, what what's happening by race? Like if we extrapolate this away from the, the legal field, how can we focus specifically on a group of people um, by race or ethnicity and figure out what's happening that is continuing to keep people either oppressed or continuing to allow people to serve as oppressors within a society.
Mm, that's great. Um, one thing I'd love to go into now a little bit here is like, why should we care about critical race theory? Like, I remember when it when it first like I first heard about it a little bit like over a year ago um, with like the George Floyd incident, and like I start hearing like Christians talking about this, um, and I'm just curious, like, why should someone care? Because I think some people may get like the idea of like, well, it's just like maybe it's just Christians trying to get frustrated when their conservative politics doesn't win out or something like that. Um, so for someone who's just like isn't really sure what's going on or is disinterested. Why do you think Christians should care about like critical race theory and critical theory and all these issues that are going along, which are prevalent right now? I think people should care about it because it's a secular framework with no room for God. And so mm -hmm. when we look at how do we address issues of racism or par ethnic partiality, because racism isn't necessarily a term that's found in the Bible, but how do we address these things? I can't look first to a sociology textbook. I can't look first to, you know, uh, um, someone who doesn't even believe in God to help me understand the way that I should behave morally towards another human being. I need to look in the scripture first that says, you know, hey, this is the problem. Partiality is the problem. Now, how do we address partiality? Is partiality something that, um, you know, I now condemn all people for, or is that a heart issue of one person to one person? And I can address that that way. I also th don't think that critical race theory upholds a framework for sin, you know, or the idea of sin where scripture is very clear that the heart is sinful. And because the heart is sinful, then we should one, expect for sin to take place. But two, it gives us a way of addressing sin that I don't believe critical race theory or in, or its proponents will uphold. So for example, you can look at Kendi, Ibram X. Kendi, and, and the, the framework that he presents is that everyone should now be anti racist when everyone is anti-racist then we will no longer have racism or any kind of ism you know like um, being transphobic or any of those those isms that are there well I don't believe that because the word says that the heart is this like it's sinful it's wicked and if our hearts are sinful and wicked as long as there is hu there are humans on the planet then I should be able to expect that there will be some form of wickedness and so I don't I don't have a hope or a goal of getting to utopia. That is not the goal on this side of of the kingdom. Like on this side of heaven, that is not our goal. Now our goal can be heart transformation, but to think that as long as we work really hard that we will get out of any kind of sin is not realistic. Mm, yeah, that's great. Um, so we're going to keep on going here through some questions. I do want to say at the end, we'll be doing a little bit of Q&A. So if you have questions or super chats or anything along those lines, um, feel free to put those in and we'll get to a little bit at the end. But could you talk a little bit like about the difference between critical theory and racism? Because um, I think like sometimes we can kind of like say like, oh, if you think critical theory is bad and like you maybe you're a racist or something along these lines. Um, so like, what's the difference here? What is um, critical theory trying to address that maybe like is different than racism in general? Um, if you kind of understand where I'm coming from coming from. Yeah, well, I think critical race theory is a tool or it was set out to be a tool to find out where racism is taking place and how it's being upheld. The difference between a tool that's looking for, you know, racism or issues like that and racism itself is that racism is the action, you know, when you have partiality in your heart, the action that you do would then be considered racist. But to me, the, the issue with critical race theory is that critical race theory then separates people into their tribal groups and says, because you are this, you must be this. Because you are white, you must be X, Y, and Z. And it pronounces something over people that 
may not actually be accurate. Sure, if you're white, you can be racist. That's that's a reality, but you can also be that if you're black. You know, so what what I see critical race theory doing is separating people into their tribal groups and then damning people according to their skin color, which is something that we don't see in scripture. Mm. Yeah, that's great. So one of the big things like in critical theory is this dynamic between like the oppressor and the oppressed. Um, so could you talk a little bit about like what that is and why that's important with regards to critical theory? In regards to, to critical theory or critical race theory, the dynamic between oppressed and oppressor is extremely important because, again, it goes back to the tribal groups and the group that you belong to. And so white people, because they have more or they, they're considered to have more power within our society, they would be considered the oppressors. They are considered to uphold a system or a structure that supports white people and continues to oppress or keep down people of color. And understanding that is important because when we come into relationship, especially within the church, we are told in Corinthians, in Corinthians that we are to leave the old man behind. So I'm not going to approach someone from that position now that we are in Christ. In, in the culture, I might say, you know what, that's how the culture, that's how the culture participates with themselves. But when we come into Christ, I don't participate with someone from a secular framework. I don't participate with someone and say, well, you're just my oppressor because you're white. No, I say we're brothers and sisters, we're family. And we can, it then opens up other conversations for how we participate with one another. Mm. So would you say then like critical theory, like it likes to pronounce, um, put forth this idea of like, there's always in society going to be like the, the oppressor and the oppressed, um, which is something that just like flies flat in the face of like the biblical doctrine of us all being equal in Christ. Is that kind of like one of the biggest issues here with critical theory? I think that's one of the issues with critical theory. Yes. I think that um, just understanding identity in general is a huge problem. Like, who am I? I am not an oppressed victim, you know, as a child of God. Like, that's not my identity. That is not how, you know, scripture defines me, nor should that be how my brother or sister defines me. The same way I don't define someone who's white as simply being my oppressor. That's not their core identity. And the core problems, you know, aren't whiteness or white supremacy and things like that the core problem is sin hmm. yeah that's great so one of the things i wonder like what are some of the other issues that you see with like critical theory where it like kind of like um falls away from kind of like the christian idea of like the christian worldview in the world and the church and all these things well, I think that there are redefinitions of words. So, you know, what does it mean to forgive? What does it mean to um, repent? You know, if if Christ's blood, you know, his shed blood covers my sins, do white people then need to repent, you know, for extra things like racism? Hmm. Or is that something that has been covered under the blood of Jesus and I know that, you know, whether that person participated in racism at one point or not, you know, their their sins are now covered. What does it mean to, for me to offer forgiveness? You know, one of the things that I hear a lot is this idea of Black forgiveness and Black people not being so quick to just offer their forgiveness to a white person. Well, where do we see that in scripture? And mm -hmm you know, when, when we are commanded to forgive. And so, you know, I think that one, it's important to thread out, you know, the idea of the theory versus how the theory is being lived out in real time. But many of these, these real time events are coming from this theory. And so again, it, it can, 
mesh on top of each other, but it's not a scriptural tenet or a scriptural um, theory. So how do you see like critical race theory like, just being involved in like, our everyday life? Um, like obviously in the news, like we see like um, like police shootings or things like this, and like is critical theory in there or like what's like w- in like the everyday life? Um, how do you think critical theory is kind of like being becoming a part of like our culture as Americans? Well, I think to understand that one of the the tenets that's important to understand is um, whiteness is property or not, I'm sorry, not whiteness is property, which is a tenant though, but um, interest convergence. And so understanding interest convergence, interest convergence says that racism will only end once it benefits the white person or that um, racism and issues with like ethnic partiality will only end when it converges with the interests of a white person. And so a lot of what we're seeing, I think are, these these calls and issues for you know us to consider everything as being racist and to pull down white racist structures and things like that in a hopes that people will understand that um, it's to the the best interest of a white person so that there so that our interests converge. But I don't believe that everything is about racism. I don't believe that every police shooting is about, you know, the fact that a white person is a racist. I think that much of what critical the original critical theory wanted to do was to be able to kind of usurp a society, to overthrow the the hegemony or to overthrow the powers. And so that is where we can see a lot of of, you know, of the the infiltration, I would say, of critical theory or critical race theory into a society that the defund the police, the um, big calls for for overturning of the white male patriarchy and things like that. Mm, that's great. So how do you think like critical race theory is impacting like the Christian church, um, like maybe like unintentionally or things like this? Like what, what are, how do you think it's impacting the like, Christian communities um, specifically? I think within specific, within some Christian Mm -hmm. communities, it comes in with this idea that white people need to lament, repent, you know, of their, their racism or lament and repent of their privilege and things like that. The idea of meritocracy that you have can work hard for something and earn something that is being seen as just a white value and people should repent of that. Well, you know, I work hard for the things that that I have, you know, so why would we not think that white people can also work hard for it? Or the fact of like wealth redistribution is a a big one, you know, that either buildings or, you know, certain wealth needs to be redistributed for, you know, more equitable results or equal results. I think those Mm -hmm. are, those are things that we see coming out of the critical theory, critical race theory language. And also, you know, things that Christians should really question, you know, is this theft or is this a true redistribution? Where do we find, you know, these kind of things in scripture? And if it is theft, then how do we, how do we handle that? Like, are we really supposed to be now using our voice to promote a concept that in scripture would be considered theft? Mm. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Monique. Um, so another question I have for you here is like, how can we respond to Christian, like, like critical race theory is like Christians? Because um, I think it's easy to like hear about it and like kind of understand what's going on. But then like, how, what does it look like to like respond to this on like a day to day basis? Um, and kind of like making sure we don't like we avoid this, um, this critical theory. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, if you know someone who's deep down into to critical theory or critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, you know, all of these things, I think ask a lot of questions. Don't just jump to a conclusion that because they have said something, because they've put something out on their Facebook page or something like that, that they are automatically, you know, just into this worldview or framework. And, you know, they're definitely going down a dark path. Just ask questions. We can, we can calm down a bit and not have to, you know, feel like we have to fight at every moment that someone says something. But I do think that it's important to ask questions. It's important to say, Hey, have you considered this, you know, to scripturally, um, to offer someone, you know, advice scripturally and say, Hey, look, what do you do with this scripture or to, you know, one, understand the framework itself and say, Hey, look, this is what the framework actually says. Are you aware of this? Does this line up with your Christian worldview? You know, one of the things that I'm seeing with critical race theory is that there's a bunch of other movements that are tied to critical race theory. And Mm -hmm. so you get LGBTQ plus or trans theory, or, you know, all of these other theories that are attached to it. And so, you know, I asked the question, well, do you, do you understand that all of these other movements are, you know, kind of attached to critical race theory? Is this something that you can promote Um, abortion and and the abortion rights and um, reproductive justice comes strongly in on, you know, this, this idea of fighting for racial justice and um, trans justice and things like that. How do you as a Christian, you know, uphold those, those values and beliefs, or are you unaware? Giving people the benefit of the doubt, I think is always important and asking a lot of questions. Mm. So what would you say to like the Christian who's concerned maybe about like critical theory and like doesn't want to like be involved in it, but is also like um, maybe like concerned about like racism and like um, trying to make sure that like everyone is like treated fairly and just. Um, So what would you say to someone that's kind of like trying to wrestle between these two um, ideas or trying to figure it all out? I say kudos to you. Like, I think that that's a place (laughs) that we should be in. Like we should not accept racism on any level because God does not treat us with partiality. He, Mm. he's just, so he doesn't, he's not going to look at you and say that, well, you are better than me and that he's going to treat you some kind of way that's different than me because of the color of your skin. Mm. We should be upholding that same standard with one another. And I can say that this framework does not acknowledge God does not acknowledge, you know, issues with sin and things like that. And we don't need that in our, you know, our churches. And so both can be true. I don't have to go out and say, you know, well, CRT is wrong. Thus racism doesn't exist. I I strongly believe that racism exists and it will be here for a very, very long time, never to, you know, go away because it's a heart issue first. And people are always going to have some kind of pride or partiality and things like that. And yet I also am aware that critical race theory isn't the way to answer that. So how do we build like productive conversations with regards to like um, with people maybe involved in critical race theory or just like trying to understand it? Um, Like what's what's the way forward from here as like Christians engaging with this idea and trying to like stay like fast to God's word and what he values? I think know God's word, one, know what you believe, know what the framework says, and then have have honest conversations. Do it in relationship with someone who is who you have something at stake with. So people aren't just walking away from the conversation like, you know, I'll forget you or, you know, you're just dumb and I don't I don't have anything at stake in that relationship. No, do have the conversation with people that you're at stake with because you care. Because, you know, if they're Christians, they are your brothers and sisters. 
So I'd say start there, start in relationship with people and having these honest, having honest conversations and also ask a lot of questions. Don't just make assumptions that because, you know, this person may uphold a framework that you don't believe in, that they are bad, horrible people that should be written off. I would also say, remember that people who uphold critical race theory usually do it from a place of compassion. It's not because they want to do it um, to be antithetical to the word of God or, you know, just because they see nothing else. I, I honestly believe that if more churches had, you know, programs for justice and opportunities for people to do justice from a biblical perspective, or even taught more on true biblical justice, there wouldn't be a need for critical race theory. You know, we as Christians have the answer for justice. God is just. And so how do we, how do we do justice? But I think many people, I know for me, you know, I got into to critical race theory partly because of what I felt like was a, a lack of space for true biblical justice. And at the time, I didn't even know that there was something called like true biblical justice, that there was a a, a difference between biblical justice and this other type of social justice. I just wanted to be compassionate and to do, you know, to do good. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, you know, take time with people and, you know, understand that people do want to do justice. Mm. Uh, I have one last question for you, Monique, and then we'll go do a little bit of Q&A. So if you have questions, um, feel free to put those in now. But like, do you have an example with maybe in like the past week or two um, where you see like critical theory just kind of getting like embedded into like a storyline or a news headline or maybe like something a church is saying? Um, like, because it seems like to me, like when I think about critical theory, um, it's like this like this big thing we want to avoid and such. But it seems like it can kind of just like creep in if we're not really attention. Do you have like some sort of example along these lines, Chance? You know, I would say that, yes, I think that at times critical theory can feel like this big thing that, mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to hit on all levels and all sides. You know, I would say that getting clear, and then I'll answer the question about, you know, mm -hmm. where we see it in the news, but getting clear on what scripture says is going to be your first place. Because if we aren't clear on what scripture says, then any, you know, nice sounding um, help, so to speak, will may sound appealing. So if we're not clear on scripture, then we're going to have a problem. So we should get clear on scripture so that we're not just swinging at straw men or swinging at issues that may not actually be a true issue. I would say in churches or in the media, I think the the recent, you know, the two re recent shootings that came out this last week, I think that whole issue of, you know, down with the hegemony, down with authority, down, defund the police, like all of this, the, these cries for um, a shift in our society and who has authority is uh, a partial glimpse into, you know, part of the, the critical theory tenant, you know, in, in the shift in society and authority, hegemony, things like that. But I don't know that it is, you know, fully inclusive of everything that, that critical race theory or critical theory upholds. I think the idea that, um, that, you know, whites as the oppressors are feeling like, or thinking or hearing that, you know, all white people participate from this tribal grouping. And then the definition of this tribal grouping is another way that we could potentially be seeing it in society.
Mm, that's great. Um, so we do have one question um, from, from the chat here from MJ Jackson, which says, um, from one person to one person, um, can you expand on that? Are you saying that the Bible does not recognize um, communal or corporate sin, referring to like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the Lord's prayer? Um, so I think talking about like maybe in the beginning, when we were talking about like group responsibility with regards to like critical theory is what this um, question is addressing, Monique. Yeah. So I think that corporate sin is something that we see more in the Old Testament versus my individual sin. Like it is my responsibility to keep a, a heart that's intact and in relationship with Jesus. And when I am judged, I am going to be judged on what I did as an individual. We aren't coming to Jesus as a group. When I come to the Lord for salvation, I don't come to him with in a group mentality and say, hey, you know, me and my my entire tribe want to now become saved. And so New Testament is a lot different than Old Testament. Now you can talk about things like national guilt and things like that, which I am not necessarily very well like versed in as far as mm -hmm. like, oh, nationally, these are these are the sins on a national level. I think we do see God judging nations. But again, when when we look at God judging nations, then we would all be under God's judgment because we all sit as Americans. And so what does mm -hmm. that look like? Um but as far as repentance and things like that, when I repent, I come before the Lord because my salvation is, is an individual thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so great. Um, so I think that's a little, uh, we're getting close to the end of our time here, Monique. Um, so do you have any kind of like last thoughts, things you didn't get to share um, that you kind of want to bring up before we start to wrap things up here? You know, I would just say that as Christians, we need to be taking critical looks at, you know, what is being offered from culture into the church and mm -hmm. understanding our word 100%, you know, really digging into to what scripture says about how we do justice, about how we treat brothers and sisters, about even, you know, what does it mean to be a brother and sister? You know, what is the work that we need to do before we can, um, you know, be unified and things like that? Or has, has Christ actually done that work for us? So, the beginning place is always going to be with scripture. What does the scripture say first? And then we can investigate and say, you know what, this doesn't line up with scripture. We don't need um, sociology books or sociologists to tell us how to be good, like moral people. Our, our morality comes from scripture. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your time, Monique. It's been a lot of fun talking with you about this like very um, serious, important thing. So I've encouraged everyone, if you have don't follow Monique, Monique, there's a link down below where you can go follow her and the work and everything that's going on at the Center for Biblical Unity. Uh, so much great stuff. And if you're new to here in Apologetics, as always, I encourage you to subscribe, leave a like on your way out. And if you enjoy the show, you can be, join us on patreon.com slash here in Apologetics. Um, there's yearly pledges, a little a month of pledge, a dollar a month, anything helps, or you can join and become a member on YouTube. But Monique, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Nice to and meet you. It's nice to meet you too. And I hope everyone has a good one. Nelson, Ismail, MJ, everyone else have a good one and God bless.